Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex P. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, Wednesday, October the 11th. Ian Cameron and Alex B. Smith with you, ready to break down the Wednesday NHL card. And uh, we have a night of NHL action in the books, uh, the three games last night. Lots of interesting uh, results, I guess you could say, last night. Uh, it started with Nashville and uh, Tampa Bay as the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning get a 5-3 to victory. Uh, a game that really looked like not much was going on. It was a very low event game for the first two periods. And then all of a sudden, the third period just opens up big time uh, with Nashville uh, obviously getting the lead quickly uh, in the uh, third period. Uh, and then, of course, there was a disallowed goal uh, as well for Nashville. And then Tampa Bay answers right back and eventually gets the 5-3 uh, to three victory over the Nashville Predators. Growing pains for Tampa Bay, you know, a little bit. Actually, I thought in the first period they were outstanding defensively. Nashville only had a couple of shots on goal. And I think Nashville takes the cake for already the first game of the season. I'm not sure I'll see a worse power play than what Nashville threw out there, their very first power play of the game. I mean, it was pathetic. I mean, they couldn't even gain control of the puck and forget about getting into the offensive zone. That didn't even happen. Didn't even come close to happening uh, in that first power play for the Nashville Predators. Um, so that was a 5-3 to three win for uh, Tampa Bay uh, in that one. Um, we'd look at uh, Pittsburgh, Chicago, of course, uh, a great, great comeback and rally in the third period by the Blackhawks, four to two. Connor Bedard gets his first point uh, of his NHL career. Uh, good call by Alex with the assist prop, which was around plus uh, 180. Uh, I took a little shot of that. And of course, the what a start to the fucking bargain bin special of the night segment yes, as well. Yes. Ryan Donato, who we talked about on the show yesterday. He's playing on the top line. He's going to be on the number one power play unit. He's playing with Bedard and Hall, and he's not getting priced appropriately in spite of it. And sure enough, he gets on the board for the Blackhawks, gets their first goal of the season uh, on that goal that Bedard had an assist uh, on. So five plus 550 for Ryan Donato to score uh, a goal. Great to be able to cash that one uh, for sure. And from the looks of all the uh, comments I saw on the uh, chat, on the YouTube chat, for yesterday's uh, show, uh, a lot of you jumped in on that too, which I love to see, uh, that Ryan Donato uh, plus 550. So that was great to see, great to catch that. And we wrapped up the night with a very disappointing effort from the uh, Seattle Kraken uh, as they fall to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. You know, it's, it's not really that they played bad and the effort wasn't there. I thought they didn't play that bad. And I thought the effort was there. It's just the puck didn't bounce their way. They had a bunch of great chances. Aiden Hill was immense, too. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Aiden Hill picking up right where he left off last year. And the power play was a big problem. Every single time Seattle could have seized control of that game, early in the game when it was scoreless, when they were really buzzing early in the game, they were actually all over Vegas in the early going. They had those two power play opportunities, get nothing out of them, and really struggled just to get offensive zone time and chances on the power play as well. Uh, and then Vegas gets after that gets the first goal and you felt like 
just a really kick in the nuts to Seattle because I thought they came out strong and they got it to three, one on Jared McCann's goal. And they were starting to gain momentum again. They had that big opportunity in the third with the five minute power play. And it was a horrendous five minute power play. It's definitely something that, you know, Dave Haxtell is going to work on with this team. That power play has got to improve. It can't kill momentum like it did multiple times for the Seattle Kraken in that game. You, the, the thing with the power play is, you know you're not going to score every time you have the power play, but it can't be a momentum killer. You can't have a power play that is so fucking horrendous, you know, that you're basically going to lose momentum and the other team is going to get a surge of momentum and confidence from it. And that's exactly what we saw multiple times with that Seattle power play, where it just all the momentum it was just so uh, bad and, and, and awful, the power play for Seattle that gave Vegas life and momentum and uh, Vegas was able to lead that momentum all the way to a nice four to one victory on their Stanley cup, a banner raising night. As far as the betting results, you know, disappointing for me with the sides and totals, but man, the player props were outstanding. We did have the Nashville team total over, which was great, but you know, the Chicago Pittsburgh over falling short was frustrating. I mean, you told me before the game, Chicago was going to score four goals. I said, that game's going over the total. And sure enough, it didn't. Morozik was good. Uh, and then the Seattle spot, which I really, really like. Disappointing to see them fall short. But, man, the, the player props were really, really strong uh, last night. And if you look at the uh, – I'm going to pull it up here on the uh, screen in just a second. But the uh, members only uh, section of the uh, uh, Ice Guys community tab. And, again, if you become an Ice Guys family plan member, you're going to have access to our exclusive content, whether it's videos, whether it's our live wagers. And Alex posted a couple of those last night on the community tab, uh, our daily card. Uh, at least early in the season, will be posted there as well. So I will just uh, bring this uh, up on the screen here in just a, a moment. But, you know, if you look at um, the uh, card last night that we posted on the uh, members only, let me see if I can make the uh, font a little bit uh, bigger there. There we go. Uh, you'll see the player prop section of my card. I mean, it really did well. You know, Forsberg overshots, Johansson saves, uh, Bedard overshots on goal. I even recommended it even after the price moved on it. Uh, Bedard assist, Donato goal, which was the bargain bin special, Crosby overshots, Jared McCann got a goal, obviously gets a point, Marcia So and Stevenson for Vegas, the point prop. I mean, it was just an outstanding result for me with the yeah. player props last night. Wonderful. And it's funny, there were a couple of player props that I uh, sent out with the Dub Club subscription members, uh, and I, they, I didn't feel as confident with those. So I didn't put them on the Ice Guys page, and Tommy Novak point for Nashville was one of them. Uh, that I and I didn't include, but that's another one that cashed last night. Uh, Thomas Novak, a goal that probably Johansson should have stopped. I thought it was a bit of a soft yeah. goal, a bit of a weak yeah. goal from a yeah. bad angle by him. So a good night with the props, up and down night overall. But who the hell cares? It's a long season. You know, you want to win every night. It's not going to happen. But at the end of the day, it's just so great to have the NHL back. Uh, Alex, thoughts from you on uh, opening night? One, I don't know how you use YouTube in light mode still. That's 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 baffling to me. But uh, aside from that, yeah, last night was it was a lot to unpack from three games, right? And it's funny we always talk about wow, there's only you know a handful of games to start the season. We always want more, right? But we had all we could handle in three games. One, we we perfectly called how late it was gonna take for the Vegas Seattle game to start, and we knew it was gonna be insane. I wasn't expecting a gigantic slot machine. And, and if, if, if it's anything like what they do with UNLV, that's a real slot machine that like has to actually stay in that facility now permanently. 
because that's the thing that they do with uh, UNLV when they do the, the turnover. They have the big slot machine that has to stay at, at Allegiant Stadium. So now T-Mobile Arena essentially has a, a, their own slot machine, if that thing is real. But it was craziness. And what we learned is that this team is ready. And, you know, there is not going to be much of a hangover here. This is not going to be a Colorado or Tampa Bay situation. Aiden Hill looked just as good last night like he did the entire playoffs. He didn't miss a single beat. And that's going to be hard to beat against uh, any team, good or bad, in this league if he's on point like that. We have to massively upgrade Aiden Hill. From where I had him ranked three years ago, this is this is the largest jump of any goaltender I, I since, since we've done this program, certainly. I mean, he's a top 10 goaltender when he's playing at this level. And the fact that he's able to do that night one out of the gate, that's a testament to how he's preparing it and just the, the leaps and bounds he's made in his career. So kudos to him. He was really uh, the, the, the stalwart there. But Seattle made a lot of mistakes, too. They weren't as, as focused and ready as I thought they would be. And, and that's what, what the first week of, of this season is all about, right? They got to prove to people what's going to happen, you know, good or bad, all these teams, right? What we talk about throughout the summer and the different things and, and, and you know, as betters, we still have to lean in and follow our gut feeling. We can read through all the numbers to a blue in the face, but we don't have much to go on because what are we really looking at in preseason? We, we can't really rely on last year necessarily. That only gives us a barometer for what's coming up now. And, and I, I say this to, to bring up the Chicago-Pittsburgh game and the Connor Bedard assist. That you know conversation I had with, with my buddy Sammy P in July 26th where I said, no, he's not going to score a goal against Pittsburgh. And he goes, well, why is he not going to score a goal? I'm like, he's not. He's going to get an assist. That was just pure gut feeling over anything else. We, we saw nothing of Connor Bedard. He hadn't even been, uh, been assigned to training camp yet. Nothing had, had taken place. But just enough hockey that I'd seen, enough of these situations where that top number one player, that highly touted player, that player who has been polarizing all summer long, whether it's a free agent signing or a draft pick, we don't always see them step up. Yes, for every Austin Matthews four-goal performance you get, then you turn around and get a solid effort. It wasn't like Connor Bedard played poorly and he got an assist. He played his ass off. I actually thought, and I texted, I messaged you, Ian. I DM'd you. I DM'd Sam as well. I said, this game goes overtime. Bedard's probably the one getting the game winner because he was growing and getting momentum. He was getting better with each period, and that's what you're supposed to be doing as a rookie in your first NHL game, your first NHL season. You know, uh, you know, playing with new teammates, new a completely new line. Everything that I saw from Chicago was positive last night. Yeah. First time I've been able to say that in a couple of years. Everything was good. Peter Morazic played his ass off. Okay, arguably one of the best games that we've seen him play in a very long time in any uniform. No question. Uh, yeah. You know, the power play setup. They didn't convert as often as I would like to, but the movement. The fact that they're running a 1-3-1 system, if you've been watching this show for the last four years, you've heard me scream about this for the Hawks to switch to the system. And it finally looks like they have a formidable power play. These are all positive signs. And for them to come from behind and get that win against a team that you know is hungry in Pittsburgh, yeah, they had some issues and they're going to struggle. They're not good. Nothing's going to be easy for the Penguins just because they got Eric Carlson and, and all these guys are gunning for one more title. They're still going to have to work their asses off to even get into a wild card spot, in my opinion. But they are a formidable team, and the Hawks held their own, came from behind, and got a, a nice, clean victory on the road. I'm very, very happy, and all Hawks fans should be very, very happy with that effort. And, you know, Tampa Bay and Nashville, that game just completely got out of hand, but it makes total sense. Nashville's offense, non-existent early, and then it only wakes up because Jonas Johansson is Jonas Johansson. And uh, Tampa Bay, if they think they're going to get through 30 games with Jonas Johansson and Matt Tompkins, 
they better be figuring out something. I don't know what kind of cap magic. I know Julian Breezeball is a wizard with the math. He's got to make it work, but they got to upgrade and goal because this could easily be a team that maybe goes 10 and 20 in that 30 game stretch. And when Vasilevsky comes back, you're asking him to be Superman after a back surgery to get you back in the playoff race. So they need to fix that sooner than later, even though they got the victory. Look at these Blackhawks fans getting cocky and overconfident after one game. Jarek Rubel, the West runs through Chicago now. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. But step step one, we're we're at step one. That's I think step one is complete as far as the rebuild is concerned. I'll say that. I'll say that right now. We've got several more steps to go, but step one of the rebuild. We got Connor Bedard. He's in a Blackhawks uniform, and he is making that team better. And this team is going to be competitive. They're not laying down and, and, and playing dog shit hockey like they were the last couple of years. They're out to play competitive hockey each and every night. What we saw from that little blip early last year that kind of scared us fans saying like, oh, they're playing too good. We need them to, to kind of tank out. They're going to bring that same energy, but now they're a better built team. And I think this is more just general cohesiveness in that locker room, too. All good signs there for the Hawks right now. Yeah, it's it's actually. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. Just re remembered now as I was looking at the post we had for our Ice Guys Family Plan members. We put up the card yesterday, and it just occurred to me that um, your Pittsburgh first period puck line cashed, Alex. But Chicago, your the team you love, won the game. So it was like the yeah. perfect. And, perfect game and I also got the live over five and a half. If, for those yep. of you who who are part of the Ice Guys Family Plan, I tweeted that out. Oh, posted that out. I have to get, get that crossed up now. I just have to say post for everything. But I posted that on the, the community tab for those who are Ice Guys Family Plan members. Got that over and a half. I like the circle at minus $1.15 or better. I was able to wait and get plus $1.15 before firing on that. So, uh, like I said, yeah, very happy from a gambling standpoint. Now, there is one thing I will be uh, disgruntled about, and this is something we, we barked about last year. I know, Ian, you complain about this a lot, being more of a player prop better. Taylor Hall seemingly had five shots on goal at one point last night. And at the end of it all, it was registered as two. Even though I literally watched four, it said three and four on the stat sheet at different times at two different websites, including NHL.com, and somehow gets reverted back to two. This situation oh, yeah. has to be fixed immediately. Yeah. And there has to be some kind of balanced form where, I, I mean, I understand the NHL stat you know, people, they're doing what's best for the accuracy of the stats according to the game itself. They're not focused on what our bets are, but there has to be some kind of middle ground met immediately. Otherwise, books can't even offer these these, these bets. This is the, you, and we're wasting our money taking a shot with it. All the handicapping in the world means nothing if they're gonna two shots after you had five. Like you so essentially at one point one book or one uh, stat sheet took three shots off of off of a player. How do you make that egregious of a mistake? There needs to be a system where there's some unified group that reviews over every single game at the end of the night. If they're working overnight, if it's based overseas, so be it. But you have to have this to where you have a set. Someone's watching this and counting each and every shot, and they're getting it right, and they're double-checking it, and that's the official statute. If it means the books can't grade it until the next morning, that's fine. We have to get this right. This is a serious problem right now. Yeah, that's I said it on Twitter. It felt like there were some instances last night and Forsberg shot prop, which I was very focused on because I took Philip Forsberg for Nashville over shots. He went from two shots on goal to four, back down to two, and then back up to four again quickly. And if, and I'm watching the game, and I'm like, he didn't just have two shots on goal in the last few minutes, and he's back up to four. It's almost like they're re someone's rewatching something or just – I gotta believe someone's there's someone there that's taking a look at the 
what just happened minutes ago, or maybe during the intermission, you know, they're, they're going through the period again and trying to find out, you know, and look back at some of the shots that might've been, you know, the ones that were questionable, like we were looking at a bad angle. Did it hit the goalie? Was it on net? Did it hit the side of the net? Did it hit the side of the post? Did it go wide? We couldn't tell based on a tough angle. And then they go back and look during an intermission. And then that's when they make their adjustments with the shot on goal count for specific players. I'm guessing that's what they do. But at the same time, you're just seeing these wild swings and changes, you know, in just a couple of minutes span with some of these players and their shots on goal numbers. And it, that's why people are suspicious with it. Um, and I, I'd be less suspicious if I knew the exact procedure, but I don't know the exact procedure. That's the problem. Listen, get get some Ivy League interns in a room with a bunch of computers and TV screens and a, a fishbowl full of Adderall, and they'll figure this out and get this done every single night for the rest of the season. We need to have some kind of system. I don't know what it was going to take, but whatever it is, the leagues and the books got to do it. They got to do it, and they got to do it soon. Because now this is a, a shot on this is a market, the shots on goal prop market that's available everywhere now. Yeah. People are betting hey. this. Money yeah. is on the line. You know, you got to do it the right way, the proper way. The procedure's got to be in place. The procedure's got to be sound. It can't have any holes in it, and it's got to be accurate. And it's that's as simple as that. And here's the worst part, right? The player prop boom has really been predicated on the American books opening this market and and what? They're using it to promote it on TV. What did we not see on ESPN? I saw last night on ESPN before the, the, the Hawks game started, Taylor Hall shots on goal number on the screen. So the fact that they're driving this market, this is, this is a media uh, uh, or a public, I should say, focused market. This is not a Sharps market necessarily you know sharps can 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 manipulate it of course we work on this but it, this is for the public the public is, is are the ones who are making the most player prop bets in any sport if you look through compared to sides totals etc so the fact that you are using this to market something and then you're making these egregious up and down changes it's really bad for business it is and i, I like i say this is definitely i want to bet shots on goal props but i'm watching it every week night uh, basically throughout these games to see uh, how it is going to continue to unfold. And uh, right now uh, it's uh, there's some questionable, uh, there's some questionable changes being made during these games with some of these shots on goal numbers with certain players. So definitely something uh, to keep an eye on here uh, as the uh, season uh, progresses. And a reminder before we get into the Wednesday card, uh, become an ice guys family plan member. Uh, you don't, all you got to do is hit the join button which is right there on the YouTube page. You're watching this video. The join button is right there. You just click that. Uh, it's $9.99 US per month. It's going to have all of our exclusive bonus features, bonus content, uh, our betting card, uh, video content. We're going to have bonus uh, bet casts and bonus shows throughout the course of the season, impromptu, uh, any moment. We're not going to start that until after our first bet cast of the season, which will be October 24th. But once that time passes, we're going to start trying to, and these aren't going to be long bet casts. These are going to be ones that, you know, on a random Thursday night or even a Wednesday night when it's just the national TV games, we'll just drop in and hang out for an hour or two, you know, for maybe the second period, the third period of maybe the early game uh, and just go from there. It's just impromptu bet casts. And even if it's going to be a shorter length bet cast than our other ones, it's just our way of, you know, paying it back to you guys for supporting the channel by becoming a nice guys, a family plan member. So there you go. 999 us per month, tons of great content will be exclusive yeah. to our ice guys, family plan, YouTube channel subscribers throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I, I made a note on, on the ice guys, Twitter account. If you're not following that, follow that at the underscore ice guys, or I guess I should say the app formerly known as Twitter. Follow that at the underscore ice guys. 
uh, I made a note about how, you know, we still have the Patreon page, which that's available. And there's still more of the written content will be available at the Patreon page. Like, for example, uh, I, I just posted some of the links that every better should have bookmarked uh, a lot of hockey based sites and a lot of things that can help uh, with your handicapping. I updated that for this season, especially adding some stuff with the uh, sports data query language. Uh, so all of that is updated, and that's over at patreon.com slash guys for $10 a month. We're going to be switching our player suite content over in the next month to the YouTube page, which makes total sense because we're all – it's run on YouTube. So for those of you who have been watching those or if you have if you have Patreon and you haven't seen those already, watch those. We'll have those up in probably around November. Those will fully be converted over to the Ice Guys family page. So we'll have two different things that will be running between Patreon and the family page, but still plenty of content to cover both. And they both kind of work within each other. Like I said, the goalie charts and the power rankings that will be posted in written form, we will be explaining our moves and details on the video form of the family plan. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, absolutely. So, again, we're looking forward to just bringing you all this exciting content. Uh, Members-only posts will be on the community uh, tab, the community section of the uh, Ice Guys YouTube channel. So we're excited to be bringing you that. We uh, thank you a million times over for supporting that and becoming an Ice Guys Family Plan member. And even if, if you you know you watch the show and you know you love the show, but maybe you know you, you know you can't really sign up for anything, you don't want to. But make sure you're subscribed to the channel at least. That's yes. completely free. And there's about 35% of people who watch this show over the last couple of years who've watched it, but they haven't subscribed to the channel. So please, if you can subscribe and like to the channel, at the very least, that definitely helps us out a lot and, and is uh, much appreciated. There's no doubt it's been continuous growth with the subscription count. We're closing in on 4,000 right now, uh, YouTube channel subscribers, but we're looking to grow it even more. We want to hit five. Hell, we want to hit 10,000 at one Indeed. point. We think we can get there. Uh, so we appreciate that. Definitely make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Plus, you'll know always uh, at all times when we're going to be uh, on the air uh, with our upcoming shows. All right. We got six games on a Wednesday. Let's get to it. Ottawa, Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes, minus 190 home favorites, six the total here in this one. Very interesting lineup uh, situation here for Ottawa. They're actually going to be forced because they have no choice to play one forward short tonight uh, in this game. They're going to have to play 11 forwards and six defensemen. But yeah, they're going to play one forward short because of cap issues, uh, injury situations, because Zach McEwen, uh, one of their depth forwards, I think he was supposed to be on the fourth line. He's in day-to-day uh, -day with an injury, and he won't play tonight, won't be available. And of course, Josh Norris is on IR. Shane Pinto, uh, is uh, who's expected to be on this team, uh, is out. He remains uh, unsigned. It's a holdout situation for Shane Pinto. They're at an impasse, if you will. Pinto with the Ottawa Senators management. Uh, on a new deal. So as a result, he ain't playing here tonight. So that's somewhat concerning, but I, I still think Ottawa, I, I, I did grab a small piece of Ottawa here, just tiny, you know, because I think this team is going to, is going to be a, like I say, a better squad this year. It does concern me that they were hoping to get Josh Norris back for game number one of the season. He's not uh, Tim Stutzlow. We're going to see if Ridley Gregg uh, is ready to be the second line center because that's where he's apparently going to be starting here with Joseph and Batherson. Love the top line, of course, Kachuk, Stutzla, and Giroux, you know, absolutely outstanding. Uh, Tarasenko's debut here with the Ottawa Senators. He'll play with Rourke Chartier and Dominic Kubalik, who, of course, the Senators got in the uh, trade with Detroit for Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, Kubalik came in. Kubalik actually played solid in the preseason uh, for Ottawa. The blue line, I think, is on paper, this is the best blue line Ottawa's had in a couple of years. You know, the Zaitsevs of the world uh, and some of these other train wreck defensemen are gone. 
uh, from this team, and they've got a little bit better depth now. Uh, one through six, I like them a lot more this year coming into the season with Jacob Chikrin, full season with him after they got him at the deadline from Arizona. Thomas Shabbat is healthy to begin the season. Jake Sanderson, Artem Zub, Eric Brandstrom, Travis Hamanick. I like that one through six. Even Hamanick, because Hamanick, we know, is injury-riddled a lot of the time in the past. Older defenseman, but he's good in terms of shot blocking. He's good in his own end. Uh, he'll be that, you know, meat and potatoes defenseman for you. And Ottawa's needed more of that in years past. And I like the goaltending tandem. Jonas Corpusalo, who comes over from uh, L.A. and Columbus, first half of the year in Columbus, then with L.A. last year. Uh, he's likely to start tonight. Hasn't been confirmed, I believe, yet. Uh, but it's looking like it's going to be uh, Corpus Salo. Uh, Freddie Anderson expected to be in net for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And of course, behind Corpus Salo in Ottawa is Anton Forsberg, who, you know, now that he, when, when he before his injury last year, he played well for Ottawa uh, and now he's healthy. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, um, obviously, this is to me still one of the best teams in the East. It's probably down to them in New Jersey as to who wins the Metropolitan Division uh, this year. Maybe the Rangers are in the mix too, although I have a few more doubts about that. Uh, this year, but you know, it's mostly the same forward group this year. Faust, Stahl, Martin Nuke, the third line, Steph Nason, Jack Drury, the fourth line. Um, along with uh, it looks like they've they're gonna start the year with Jalen Chatfield, a defenseman converted into a forward here and playing on the uh, fourth line for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. So interesting move there by Rod Brindamore. And then the top six, very similar, the names you know pretty well the last uh, couple of years. Marty Natchez, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and Tavo Teravainen on the second line. Seth Jarvis, Sebastian Ajo, uh, and of course, Michael Bunting, the one new addition up front. Uh, they signed him in free agency from the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, he, of course, um, will be uh, on that top line, at least to start the season. If Andrei Svechnikov, they were hoping to have him available for this uh, season opener, but will not play. Still not quite ready. Uh, to return to action from the uh, knee injury uh, that he suffered last season. So Michael Bunting will be on that uh, top line. Um, so I'm on Ottawa here, just small, plus 160. You know, we saw how much they missed Fetchnikov last year. Carolina definitely had their ups and downs. Uh, I like Ottawa here just be based on the price. I think it's a competitive game. Uh, I'll take a shot with them at the plus 160. There are a couple props I like here. Uh, on the blue line for Ottawa, Jacob Chikrin, Actually had four points in three preseason games uh, for Ottawa this year. He started to put up some points last year uh, for them as well after they got him. You can get Jacob Chikrin at FanDuel around plus 136 to get a point. I think it's worth a look there on Chikrin. Chikrin has really started to become a, a, guy, a defenseman that can rack up some points here for Ottawa. He's going to be playing a lot for them uh, as well. And he will be on the, uh, it looks like the second power play unit as well. So I don't mind that prop. And I just mentioned Michael Bunting. Uh, of course, new member of the Carolina Hurricanes, playing on the top line with Ajo and Jarvis to begin the season. And Bunting is someone that had a really good preseason as well for the Carolina Hurricanes. He got into three preseason games. He had three goals, one assist, and four points in those three preseason games for Carolina. And you can get Michael Bunting as cheap as minus 114 at Pinnacle to get a point. Uh, I think that's definitely a good bet because you look at the point props for Jarvis and for Ajo, his line mates uh, on that top line. They ain't that that cheap for those two guys. Ajo is, of course, minus 210, which you expect. Uh, and then you look at Seth uh, Jarvis, his point prop on that top line is closer to minus 150, minus 160. Meanwhile, you got Bunting on that same top line. He's minus 114. 
So to me, it's really good value for Bunting to get a point tonight in this one. Nate, just, uh, it's a broken record. Cuban Wayne Gretzky, I hear you. I'll probably sprinkle a little on the goal prop for Nate just too, because I'm a big fan of his game. But I say that all the time. It's not exactly breaking news now when Ian Cameron says, yeah, Martin Natchez is a good player prop bet. It's old news uh, at this stage. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Ottawa, Carolina. It's funny. You know, when you look for totals, we normally talk about overs, right? That's usually our, our MO on the show. But this game screams to me under. And, you know, of course, if you shop around, there's still some six and a halfs available. I was able to find one at points bet minus $1.20. I like the under here. And one thing I didn't uh, kind of take into consideration last night with the handicap of the Hawks game, even though it, it kind of, you know, worked out still in my favor. But when talking about these goaltenders that we worry about breaking down with injury, right, the Peter Morazis of the world, the Carolina, we talked about both Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta. The time to really bet on them or back them is the beginning of the year. They're fully healthy. This is, this is as 100% as they're going to be for most of the year, whether they get hurt and come back. We still can't ever really trust if they're fully 100% down the road. But we know for right now what we see is what we get. And if they seem to be playing well, then we just ride with that at the moment. So this is the kind of time where, you know, with Anderson confirmed in that, I'm seeing Corpus Allo in that, I think we might see a, a decent goaltender battle. And I think Corpus Allo is going to be one of those goalies too that, like I said, I think we're going to really start to see the new lease on life he has playing with Ottawa his first full camp outside of, of Columbus, not just being bounced around here or there at the deadline, some stability now in his career. And I think that helps sometimes with goaltenders. I think more than anybody else, obviously when you see these big contracts and guys know, you know, Hey, this is where I am. I'm, I'm secure. I can breathe and relax. I'm home for a goalie to have that. I think that's even more significant between the years. So I, I like, I like a good goalie battle here and I like under six and a half laying the dollar 20. The series history is certainly Pointed toward the under as well. Three straight meetings uh, last. All three meetings in 2023 last year. They played each other twice in April, once in February last year. And all three games stayed under the total. 4 nothing, 3-2, 3-2 final scores. So that does have that feel to me. Yeah, of being a lower scoring game. All right, Montreal-Toronto. Uh, original six rivalry. It's become a tradition uh, that these two teams usually uh, face one another uh, to begin the new season. Uh, more of the same here. Habs and Leafs. Uh, Toronto minus 290 home favorite, six and a half being the uh, total uh, here in this game. Uh, when you look at it for Toronto, um, this is a team that's had no problem putting terrific regular seasons on the board. We know that. It's about the struggles at playoff time. We said this in our season preview show, Alex. I think this team after the last couple of years where I think they've gotten better defensively as a team, the offense has always been there, but they've gotten better defensively as a team the last couple of years. This year, I'm not so sure that defense is going to be as good because you look at the additions uh, to the team. First up front, the big two new additions were Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi. Bertuzzi's more of an offensive player. I'm not saying he can't play defense, can't be a good defensive forward, but he's more of an offensive-minded forward. He's not the most, like he's not the second coming of Bergeron, you know, as a defensive forward. Let's put it that way. And the same goes even more so for Max Domi. Max Domi's going to give you a lot of offense, but his defensive play it's suspect. Let's just put it that way with uh, Max Domi. But he's great at the offensive end. You bring in both of those guys. And what I do like on the offensive side for Toronto with signing Tyler Bertuzzi, signing Max Domi, guys that are going to get their nose dirty, guys that are going to go to the goalie crease, go, go to the goal crease, go to that blue paint area, and really, really look to score those tough goals right in front of the net from two feet out. 
and Toronto definitely needs more of that. John Tavares is really the only guy that consistently scores from that area of the ice uh, for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So I like that they got those uh, two players for uh, offensive purposes. And when you look at the forward group, Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner, your top line, Domi, Tavares, Nylander, who's in a contract season, and that's going to be a great segue into the props when I get to them for this game. Uh, Nylander, he's, you know, he's going to go all out and want to have a huge season uh, playing for that big money, trying to secure the bag going into uh, next season. And then you look now at what they've got on the third line, which arguably was their best line in preseason when they had close to their regular lineup playing throughout the preseason. Matthew Nyes was outstanding. I can't say enough. His preseason performance, he is clearly ready for NHL play full-time. Callie Yarncroke on the uh, right side. Uh, I, I've got to do it. It's been a while. I'm going, going back, back to Callie, Callie Yarncroke on that third line. And then in between Nyes and Yarncroke on the third line is one of the stories of the preseason. 19-year-old Fraser Minton making this team straight out of training camp. He's got basically another season of junior eligibility with the uh, Kamloops Blazers. Uh, and yet here he is, his training camp was so good. He impressed Sheldon Keith so much at both ends of the ice that they ended up having to keep him uh, at the uh, NHL level. And at least to start the season, he is going to be in the lineup for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, we've seen this before with the, the junior kids. You can keep them up for 10 or 15 games, and then you might send them back down. Maybe that does happen for Fraser Minton, but maybe it doesn't because he totally looked like he was ready for the NHL at both ends of the ice. He's very responsible away from the puck, so very, very impressive that he made this team, and he deserved it. Anyone that saw the Leafs in preseason knows he's earned this opportunity to start the season with this team, and him and Nyes had outstanding chemistry playing on this line together. So we'll see how it translates now to the regular season. Uh, Noah Gregor uh, signed after his PTO. David Camp and Ryan Reeves make up the fourth line. The blue line does concern me still. Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, and this was a guy, TJ Brody, too, that his defensive game slipped a little bit during the playoffs last year. Morgan Riley, very solid at both ends, but sometimes he's even accustomed to that one little uh, mistake or hiccup in his own end at times, although we, we know what he can do as far as moving the puck and chip in offensively and chip in some points. And then uh, the rest of that blue line, you've got Jake McCabe, who's pretty solid, although it felt like at times even last year when he joined Toronto, there was the occasional up, caught out of position. He's not the fastest guy by any stretch of the imagination, uh, Jake McCabe. then you And you bring in John Klingberg, who's outstanding moving the puck, outstanding skating outstanding in terms of the offensive side of the game, but a bit of a train wreck defensively. And that's been John Klingberg's career. He's soft. He's not as a, not very physical. He can struggle in his own end. So while he's going to give you a lot on the offensive end, the, 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 in his own zone, that's where the question marks are for John Klingberg coming off a down season split between Minnesota and, and, and Anaheim uh, last year. And then the third pair, Lilligren's another one of those defensemen where in his own end, he's gotten better, but he's still not phenomenal. And Mark Giordano, look, I like Giordano. He's had a hell of a career, but he's 40 years old now. I mean, that's he's getting up there in uh, years, if you will. So there are some questions about that Leaf defense. Samsonov and Wall on paper are a good goalie tandem for this team. But at the same time, Samsonov didn't have a great preseason. You know, I thought, you know, he was had a great season last year, but I thought in the preseason this year, not great. Now, he said he was working on some of his goalie mechanics and he was experimenting with things. Maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe he comes out there tonight and pitches a shutout and plays great. But 
Uh, let's see if he does. I mean, I was concerned that he wasn't at his absolute best in the preseason. Then on the Montreal side, this is a team that to me is going to be, I think, good and pretty solid up front. You know, a full season and a healthy Cole Caulfield with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson is a solid top line. I like that Marty St. Louis put um, uh, Anderson on the top line, give them a little physical presence, open up some ice for Suzuki and Caulfield, the skilled guys on that top line. Newhook, Doc, and Slavkovsky. This is where we're going to find out what Uri Slavkovsky, the number one overall pick a couple of years ago, is all about. He's going to get a second line opportunity with Kirby Doc and Alex Newhook. And I think Alex Newhook will thrive here just because he's going to get greater opportunity than he did on a stack Colorado team last year. Tanner Pearson, a nice veteran addition with Monaghan and Sean Monaghan and Brennan Gallagher, the third line. Raphael Harvey-Pinard, this is a guy that really came on strong for them second half of the year when he got opportunity playing with Jake Evans and Yessi Yelonen on the fourth line. The defense still has questions. I like Caden Gooley. I like Mike Matheson. David Savard, you know, hasn't been nearly as good last couple of years. Kovacevic, Jordan Harris, and Justin Barron are still very young. And it looks like tonight, at least, Jake Allen and not Sam Montembeau is going to be a net here for the Montreal Canadiens. It is confirmed that Jake Allen will start for them. And Jake Allen didn't play great last year. And if you saw Jake Allen in the preseason this year, he really didn't play that great. You know, I'm worried about Jake Allen right now at this stage for uh, Montreal. So I like this game over the total here. I think Toronto takes a little step back defensively. They're loaded up front. Scoring goals shouldn't be an issue. And I kind of feel Montreal's a little bit better to start the year personnel-wise offensively than they are defensively. So I like this game over the total. I'm probably going to sprinkle a little on Montreal's team total again. These two-and-a-half team totals, two of the three cashed last night. Nashville, their team total was only two-and-a-half. They got to three goals. Chicago, their team total was only two-and-a-half. They got to three goals. We're seeing Montreal's team total over two-and-a-half at about minus 105, minus 110, even money. I think they can score three goals. And the one thing about Montreal is they always get ramped up to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. No question about that. So small bet on the team total for the Habs at the over two and a half even money. But I like this over six and a half here for the full game Habs and Leafs. Uh, what do you think here, Alex? Montreal, Toronto. Yeah, this is a game, like you said, I, you know, we always kind of expect the unexpected, right? Montreal always tends to find the ways to win when they're big underdogs in the spot. But with Jake Allen starting in that, like you said, he just doesn't look good and he just kind of seems to be dwindling out, you know, the kind of twilight of his career. He was a, you know, formidable goalie for many years, most of them in St. Louis. But, yeah, you know, I think, you know, father time comes to calling for everybody uh, at some point. It seems like maybe his uh, his time's more toward the end than the start. And for Toronto, you know, it's always the emphasis of, you know, we got to get off to a hot start. Got to get off to a hot start at home, right? You know, the pressure is always mounting on them. They're probably the only team that has opening night, and it feels like a playoff game, not just because of the excitement and hype, but because of the pressure, right? And, and it's insane. Everybody's looking for them to get that big first win, like as if that's going to solve all of the issues that happened in April and May and June, and it's not. But that's just the pressure that that media market builds upon itself, and that's just the way it got to go. I like the over, but I'm going to wait and pick this off in game. So if you're part of the family plan, Definitely be on the lookout for this. This is one I have circled. And I will start putting that in the family plans after the show as well. I'll have in that community tab. Things that I have circled, first periods, full game, any kind of live looks. And then I'll go back and officially tweet them and post them uh, on both and uh, have that light laid out. So this is one I have circled for and over. Going to be waiting for that five and a half drop. You know, we'll talk more about that, too. I know there's some people who may be watching for the first time. So we'll explain more about what we're looking at for those drops of, 
trying to get a better price in game for a total, especially when looking at first period totals and full game totals to try to manipulate the number or the price or both in that situation to our advantage. Last night's a great reminder too, with that Chicago Pittsburgh game, a game that was lined over six and a half with the total, how, you know, we off, we can get a lot of games that hit seven, but there are really a lot of games that get to six, but don't get above six as far as goals scored for the game. So whenever you see that opportunity, especially with a game lined at six and a half to get a over at four and a half or five and a half live in game. Uh, it's amazing how many of those games still get to six goals and still cash that live over, even if they fall just short of the pregame uh, over six and a half. Like ha- we've seen it a bunch and we've done so many bet casts now the last couple of years, but we've seen this where it starts out with just one or two goals first period, early into the second period, and you still get, Uh, to cash your live over when you hop in and you get it to, in a lot of cases, it still gets to five or six goals in the game. And if you bet an over four and a half, you bet an over five and a half live, you're going to end up getting the money. There's so many opportunities like that. And Alex took advantage of it last night in that Chicago Pittsburgh game. Yeah. And Ian, I have a question. You know, we, we talk about key numbers, of course, in football and even basketball. And of course, being this being a money line sport, we don't really have a key number, certainly not on the side. But would you say now with how high scoring the NHL has been and, and the way that the market has adjusted in these last three seasons specifically, six is now a key number as far as the total is concerned. Would you say that? No doubt. No doubt. And if you had, you know, what's funny. If you bet Chicago Pittsburgh over when the line first came out weeks ago, you know, when they posted the opening night lines, there was a six. It, it did open like over six, like minus 120. And then it moved to six and a half. So if you actually got in early, you know, you at least got a push with that 4-2 uh, final score last night. So you're right. That's I think it is a very important number. I I really like, uh, you know, overs when I can get a six as opposed to six and a half, um, because then there's a little bit more that needs to be done, that needs to get done for you offensively if you're going to go with the six and a half uh, as opposed to the uh, six or forget the five and a half. You're probably not going to see as many of those. Uh, moving forward once in a while once maybe when we get to playoff time and we get to some uh, game teams that play a little bit lower scoring hockey you'll see it uh, but you're not going to see it as much certainly as you used to player props for this game this is a good player prop game you know this is a game where we think we're going to see some goals we're going to see some offense and there's a lot of good options for this game in my opinion William Nylander is where I'm going to start for Toronto um, over three and a half shots on goal at minus 120 to score a goal at plus 140 at Caesars with his goal prop. I'm going to be looking at William Nylander props quite a bit. This is a guy that wants to have a huge season, get the big money. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, played very well, usually against Montreal head to head. So William Nylander props. I raved about Matthew Nyes and Fraser Minton for Toronto. I'm so impressed with both of these kids and what they did in the preseason and full season of Matthew Nice. Minton doesn't look a, a, a lick out of place for 19 years old. I'm going to have just a couple of smaller bets here. Nice to get a point plus 176 at FanDuel, even though he's on a third line, and Fraser Minton to get a point plus 230. I mean, they had terrific chemistry and they were producing points in the preseason for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Minton and Nice to get a point. Uh, you can bet that at FanDuel. Good plus prices there. On the Montreal side, you know I have Cole Caulfield as a dark horse to win the Rocket Richard Trophy at 66-1. to 1. Uh, I'm on Caulfield to score a goal tonight, plus 180. Uh, he usually finds the back of the net against Toronto, over two and a half shots on goal. A little pricey at minus 168, but I do like it. Uh, those are definitely some props. There are actually another couple of props that I like here in this game 
One of them I might save for the bargain bin special of the night, which might just come from this game. So keep that in mind uh, and uh, definitely uh, stay tuned for that. But I don't know if we have a tough encore, uh, to, uh, tough to a tough act to follow, uh, tough to yeah. find an encore after last night with Ryan Donato plus 550, but we will try with the bargain bin special of the night segment, the value laden goal scorer prop of the night, which is a daily segment that we will do each and every show this season here on the ice guys. Before we get to our next game, uh, I want to shout out a co- four new members since we've been on the air to the Ice Guys family plan. Jay Bennett, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Trisha, who's been in our chat watching this show for many, many years, a new uh, Ice Guys family plan member. Thank you. We appreciate it. Marcos Munoz, uh, a new uh, Ice Guys family plan member. Uh, we appreciate it uh, very much. And Colorado Man 63, uh, Evanoski. Uh, there we go. Uh, another YouTube uh, Family Plan member. Uh, thank you, all of you, uh, for joining the Family Plan. And again, uh, access to the uh, great exclusive content. That's all since the, we've started doing this show uh, today. Yeah. So appreciate uh, we appreciate it, it uh, very much. All right, Chicago Blackhawks back in action. No rest for Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. A back-to-back to start the year. Both nationally televised games last night in Pittsburgh on ESPN. Tonight in Boston on TNT as they get their Wednesday night national TV uh, uh, schedule going. Uh, Bruins minus 340 home favorites, six the total uh, here in this one. Uh, should be interesting to see how the uh, Blackhawks, it's one of those games where you really want to see what Chicago's got in them early. I think before you bet either way here, if they look sluggish, if they look a little you know off their game, maybe their heads are in the cloud still from a huge comeback last night to get the season started. Uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're going to find out something for Chicago. Where's the maturity level? Where's the poise level on this hockey team? Because it's so easy to have a win like that, come back and shit the bed tonight in this game on a back-to-back against the Boston Bruins. It's very easy to do that. What will Chicago come out like here in this game? I think that's something I want to monitor. This is more of a live betting situation for me as far as the side uh, and the total goes. We talked about Chicago earlier in the recap segment, so I won't go into too much, but what I like about Connor Bedard here, Alex, is not only did he get better and stronger, he made great plays with the puck. He wasn't looking to just get his offense. He was looking to set up his line mates. And what I love about him is he is a guy that clearly, he's going to be one of those players he's never going to be satisfied. He's never going to yeah. say, you know what, I've already come a long way in my career and in my ability as an NHL player. I need to stop working. I need to stop trying to get better. He's never going to think that way. What I loved about last night is he was getting his clock cleaned. He was getting absolutely annihilated in the face-off circle early in that game, especially by Sidney Crosby. I mean, it was when they were facing off last night in that game. I mean, Bedard, it was a clean face-off win every time for Crosby. But by the time the third period rolls around, and lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, Connor Bedard is starting to win some face-offs. And I think he went on a little bit of a roll there in the third period where he, I think he had won like two or three face-offs in a row after like getting just absolutely crushed in the first two periods, you know, losing every face-off left and right, already in his first game. And that's always the most difficult part uh, of an NHL player at the center ice position is the face-off dot. Crosby sucked in the face-off dot, winning face-offs early in his career. He was terrible at it. It took him a long time to really get that skill set down pat and improve at it and work at it. And Bedard already in one game, Third period to first period, he goes from just losing every face off, and then he ripped off of I think a few in a row there that he won uh, in the third period. So 
that's just a perfect example. The guy will never quit on getting better as a player. Uh, and I think that's something that Blackhawks fans, of all things about Bedard that they can be excited about, I think that's the thing you're most excited about. He's never, ever going to say, well, I'm this good already. I don't need to worry about working to get better. I want to keep getting better no matter what I'm accomplishing in at this level. And that's truly a great thing. And what that's the kind of mentality and that Black Mamba Kobe Bryant mindset, if you will, that's going to lead to him, you know, potentially having this historic career here uh, in the NHL. So this is more of a live bet game for me. I do lean to the over a little bit, but I don't love it. I'd lean to it at six. At six and a half, I might pump the brakes a little bit uh, with it. But I lean that way. Looks like for Chicago, it's going to be uh, Arvid Soderblom uh, in that, which we expected on the back-to-back uh, -back after Morozik played last night. He's got a hell of an act to follow because I never saw that coming from Peter Morozik last night. It's absolutely terrific, making some great saves. Linus Allmark, I'm concerned about Allmark. Allmark was so great last year, out of the blue, his first real opportunity to be a number one goalie, and he was awesome. But can he do it again? You know, there is, I think he's, he showed me enough last year that he was really, really good that he will do it again. But there's also that little nagging voice in my head, Alex, that says, sophomore in slump as a full-time starter, and, and, and he's got nowhere to go but down. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, this is a pass for me. I don't want to take Chicago in this spot off the win, but do I want to lay 340 with a Boston team? I'm not doing anything with Boston early in the season other than watching and observing because I got this team flat out wrong last year saying they would de decline, and they didn't. They got off to that hot start, and I, it still worries me in the back of my mind they get off to a hot start this year too, and everyone's counting them out with Bergeron retired, Krejci retired, tons of question marks at the center ice position coming into the season. I, and that I don't like. And we talked about this on the previous show, Alex. I don't like that Zaka, Coyle, Poitras, and uh, Beecher are the four centers. That's not great. That's not a great center ice uh, depth position now for the Boston Bruins. We don't know how Zaka's going to do as a number one center. He's a nice player. Is he ready to be a number one center? And filling the shoes of Patrice Bergeron is damn hard. So this is a game I'm looking more at props. I think maybe Bedard assist. You come back to the well tonight, plus 180, plus 190. Uh, you could do that. Uh, I think David Posternock to score a goal, even though it's a minus price. I mean, he's probably going to find the back. He's going to shoot the puck a lot. He was really going over his shots on goal prop quite a bit last year. And I think there's going to be even more uh, more on his plate to have to deliver offensively uh, with all the uh, changes and the retirement, of course, of both Bergeron and Krejci. So there's some props I would look at, but uh, not a game I'm overly invested in pregame as of right now. What do you think here, Alex? Blackhawks, Bruins. Yeah, well, like I said, after coming off of a big come from behind win, you know, first, you know, career win for Connor Bedard and, and all the hype and all the hoopla around that game. And now you have to turn around and you go to Boston. You're playing a Bruins team that it will have a banner ceremony. I don't know if it'll be, you know, it certainly won't be anything we saw in Vegas last night, but they will have a banner ceremony because they won an Atlantic Division championship. They also won a President's Trophy. But how much can you celebrate with that when you turn around and you blew a 3 1 lead? in the, the first round and, and get knocked out in game seven in overtime in the first round. I think they come out with anything. If they see those banners, it's not going to be, you know, elation and emotion. If anything, they're going to get pissed off, say, Hey, we got to finish business. And we start bring bad tonight. memories back. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think, I think you, you light the fuse by having the banner ceremony to say, Hey, yeah, you know, you got this done, but you didn't do enough. Now, now you got to work harder and that's going to spark Boston. And who are they facing up against? Arvid Soderblom, who, yeah, if he can turn in even half the performance that Morazic turned in last night, I'd be happy, but I just worry about that. 
I uh, love this first period over here. This is my first first period over of the season. I got it uh, yesterday at minus $1.25. It's moved. We've seen $1.30, $1.32, $1.35 range. So I would go as high as $140. Anything at $140 or above, wait and try to adjust and grab this in game. If you can wait in game, then by all means, try to wait for $1.25 or better. Once a puck drop, but I, I would endorse 130 or 135 right now for the first period over. There's also a couple of props that I like here. Taylor Hall, like I said, we got snake bit with his shots on goal last night, and he did not unfortunately score a goal. But I'm going to go right back to the well here with that. I'm seeing 275 to 290 for Taylor Hall to get a goal here back against his old team. Uh, he had some great quality looks last night. And with the Connor Bedard, I'm going to go a little bit more different creative. I'm not going to go just simply assist. I don't think he's going to get the goal tonight either. I'm going to go power play points over a half for the power play points at plus 350 at BetMGM. So those are my three plays here for the Hawks game tonight. Yeah, and power play points are a great way to get that great price, that great number, especially when you know the player kind of deviates more toward being a, a force on the power play as opposed to at five-on-five five even strength. You know, it makes a lot of sense. For that. We're going to talk about someone actually for Edmonton uh, in the game coming up where, you know, you could you could like the point prop, but, man, you could really like the power play point prop uh, as well uh, and get even better uh, value uh, on that. So it'll be interesting to see with this uh, Chicago team. And, you know, I don't agree with the President's Trophy banner ceremony when I, uh, in a situation like this with Boston where you got your, you know, you basically blew a 3-1 lead in the first round after this historic regular season and you lost in seven against Florida. I think if you go to the cup final and you lose, or at least if you get to the conference final, then you can have this big, this banner ceremony to, for, as pre, to be as president's trophy winners last yeah. year. If I have the kind of flame out the Boston Bruins had in the first round last year, you know what I do? I just hire one of the workers or ask one of the workers at TD Garden to say, hey, just quietly, you know, on the day of the game during the afternoon, just put the banner up, just put it up. You know, no, no fuss, no muss, no attention to it, no ceremony, nothing. Just put it up there, uh, and then we'll, and then that's that, and then on to the game. You know, that's what I would do for a team. This a team that went out the way they did in the first round. Who the fuck cares about a President's Trophy see, when that's the way our season ended in the first round? But see, that's the thing. I'm really gonna think, wow, that's phenomenal. Fans are scarred because of the first round loss. They're not thinking, wow, still a phenomenal turn of events with this. Presence. And I know it was a historic regular season, but man, for it to end like that, it's hard to drum up, you know, wow, these great memories, these great feelings inside. You know, I, I for me, I say the exact opposite. I think, and, and yeah, it's a tough pill for the fans to swallow, but you got to suck it up because I think it sends a message to the team to do that, to have a ceremony for this because of the disappointment. And, and, and like I said, I think you use that as, as a motivating factor. Don't just bury that. Don't forget that. Because the thing, you can't forget what you did in those 82 games, but you also can't forget what happened in the seven games afterwards. Both of those need to be lessons in different ways. And I think that's how you make that point, by having a ceremony and pinpointing, yeah, the accomplishments what you did in, in that regular season, those will never be taken away unless another team duplicates it, which is going to be hard as hell to do. But what happened after that, you have to remember that because you have to make sure that that doesn't happen again moving forward. And I think that's the way you highlight and punctuate that with this group, with this changing core of leadership, Marshan's not going to be there forever, okay? Pasternak and, and those younger kids, they're the future. They got to remember this long, okay? Uh, it don't matter what Krejci and, and, and uh, Bergeron remember. They're sitting in the press box or they're sitting in, in their own seats or wherever they are watching the game now as fans. So it, it's important for this new core and the new generation to remember that and keep that moving forward. 
Yeah, and uh, those wounds opened up. Will that mean Boston comes out flying? If you think Boston's going to come out fast, take it to Chicago early, just so you know it's about plus 110 or so. Plus 110, plus 115 for Boston first period puck line, minus a half. Uh, if you're interested in that. All right, Edmonton Oilers, Vancouver Canucks, as the last three games are all the late night uh, matchups tonight. Edmonton minus 160, home favorites, six and a half being the total in this game. Uh, this is one where uh, I want to bet on both of these teams. So this is another one where it's very difficult for me to have an opinion. I think there's going to be value on Vancouver, but, and they're looking, they're plus 145 home underdog here, but do I want to take them against an Edmonton team that is, from the very beginning of training camp, hell, before training camp, when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and the entire team are getting to Edmonton like a week or two before training camp, it kind of tells me this team is really, really focused, a workmanlike, business-like attitude to not only have a great season, but also have it lead to much greater things in the postseason for this Oilers team that has managed to get, uh, get knocked out by the uh, eventual Stanley Cup champion uh, two years in a row. It was by Colorado in the Western final two years ago. And then last year it was Vegas in the second round, the eventual Stanley Cup final that knocks them out. So it's bet on versus bet on for me. I want to back the Oilers early in the season, not at this price and against this opponent, but just in general, conceptually, I want to. And the same thing for the Vancouver Canucks as well. Uh, the total six and a half. I mean, the one thing about Edmonton, and they're another team that's having this defensive change this year, like Tampa Bay, they're all trying to mimic and copy Vegas. Tampa Bay is trying to mimic Vegas's defensive system, you know, with this situation. And what and Edmonton is trying to as well. They're going to try to do with Jay Woodcroft what what Tampa's uh, moving to this year and what Vegas did last year in winning the Stanley Cup. And what the defensive system is, it's like the box and one version for hockey. You know, you think of it for basketball, where puck goes low to high, puck goes back to the point. They'll leave the points open. They will leave the points open. The forward that remains high in the slot, rather than go out to the point and take away the point, he's actually going to track back toward the slot area right in front of the net. And both defensemen will also move toward the front of the net, almost like you're fronting your goaltender. It's that kind of system. And then when the puck moves to the side, they're going to, it's like a, a little triangle and they're going to just move now toward and try to corner that puck carrier a little bit. And then they'll track back when it's in the middle at the point area. It's a very, very, it's a system that's built to basically keep pucks from getting to the goaltender. And we know Vegas has been phenomenal at doing that uh, the last, you know, last year, obviously. But here's the thing with that. It's fine to want to do what Vegas did. You know, it's the hot thing right now in hockey because they won a Stanley Cup and they dominated defensively in their own end. But their system is strong because, A, they perfected it. They can execute it strong with very little mistakes, very little uh, errors, very little lack of getting out of position, that kind of thing. And number two, they have the personnel. They have the one through six on the blue line to execute that kind of box in one uh, you know, zone type of defense, if you will, as they're calling it. Tampa Bay will have to wait and see. I still saw a few, you know, shaky moments with Tampa Bay trying it yesterday against Nashville. Edmonton, same thing. Edmonton doesn't have one through six on the blue line that Vegas does. I think Edmonton's made some improvements on the back end, but are they at the point now where they can, you know, execute this system change flawlessly? That remains to be seen. You know, Darnell Nurse, Cody Ceci, Matias Ekholm, Evan Bouchard, Brett Kulak, Vincent DeArnais, 
very similar to the same blue line they had last year. So this is going to be something to watch here. Does this make Edmonton a tougher defensive team? Not so much in the regular season, but once we get to the playoffs, does this system change benefit them? Can they execute it? And do they have the personnel to execute it? It's one thing to want to do what Vegas did because they won a Stanley Cup last year. It's another thing to be able to execute it. It's another thing to have the personnel and the defensemen to run it properly, that kind of defensive structure. So that's what I want to see here from Edmonton this season as they transition to the Vegas way of doing things, if you will, uh, defensively. Up front, we know there's very little issues, right? We know that that shouldn't be a problem. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins. I love the addition of Connor Brown, who I know has been snake bit with injuries, whose offensive production hasn't matched the speed that he has. But the one thing that can't be denied is he knows Connor McDavid well. They played together in junior at Erie with the Erie Otters in the Ontario Hockey League. I think that's chemistry that can uh, develop once again between them. It looks like McDavid, Brown, and Kane are going to be the top line. Uh, the Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Hyman on the second line. I think the third line is solid. Dylan Holloway, I think, is going to take some strides offensively this year. I expect a lot more from him than what he showed last year, playing with Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogel. Matthias Janmark, Derek Ryan, and Marcus Niemelainen is a very hardworking, good forechecking fourth line. So I really like Edmonton's forward group, and I think they got a little more depth on the bottom six, which has always been the question, right? The bottom six for years, we've screamed about it on this show, yelled about it, complained about it. They don't get enough from the bottom six, but I think they might be able to this year. You know, Vancouver's a team with Rick Tockett. He knows that defensively that was where the issues were. I thought they got better in their own end later in the season. Ian Cole and um, Carson Soucy are going to be nice additions to that blue line, although Soucy's out to begin the season. But once they get him, that'll help them defensively in their own end. They do have some question marks tonight, though, because, you know, they have Quinn Hughes. They have Philip Ronick, who they got from Detroit, who's now healthy. Ian Cole, good veteran, stay-at-home defenseman. But then after that, Tyler Myers, you know, up and down. He has some awful games sometimes. And then you've got two very young young players uh, on the third pair uh, in uh, Akito Heroes and Noah uh, Noah Juleson here for Vancouver. So that does concern me a little bit with the depth on the blue line when you're playing, obviously, a team like Edmonton. Up front, Kuzmenko. Elias Pettersson should have a great year. He thrived under Tockett once he got there. Connor Garland, very interesting situation, obviously, with him is that you know, there's that this little contract uh, dispute that's going on, and he's a, a requested a trade actually out of Vancouver. Um, but he is going to play on the top line. So, you know, if, if you buy into the theory, hey, I got to play well to improve my trade value, uh, and uh, you know, definitely um, Connor Garland is he seems like the guy for Vancouver that's got the undervalued uh, player prop thing going on, playing on that top line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. You can get plus 130 on him to get a point plus 400 at Caesars to score a goal. So those are outstanding prices for Garland, considering it looks like, as of right now, he's starting the game tonight playing with Kuzmenko and Elias Pettersson on the top line. So Garland might be that Ryan Donato case here a little bit where he's a little undervalued playing on the top line. It's not delivery. It's Di Giuseppe, Phil Di Giuseppe on the second line with JT Miller and Brock Besser. Dakota Joshua, Pugh Suter, who's a nice addition. I like Pugh Suter in a depth center role. Bovillier's got an illness going on. He missed practice this weekend, so he's a game-time decision. And then you got Niels Hoaglander, Teddy Bluger, uh, and the newly acquired Sam Lafferty. Uh, they, they got him from Toronto because Toronto had to, you know, he was a little excessive his money, and they got Noah Gregor for cheaper. That's why they traded him to Vancouver. And then Mikheyev, who's healthy again. And don't forget about him, although I think they're easing Mikheyev back. And although it, actually it's official, he won't play tonight, Mikheyev. So 
Uh, he will uh, not be in the lineup, but they're going to try to ease him back. I lean slightly to the over just because of the Vancouver depth concerns on defense without Susie. You know, that third pair really worries me for Vancouver tonight in this game, but it's not an overly strong opinion. This is more of a prop game for me. I'll get to those in just a second, but first let's hear what Alex has to say here. Oilers, Canucks. Yeah, no, uh, great point that you're making about Edmonton changing their defensive schemes, and that's something that we all kind of really have to try to rec recognize in this early season. I mentioned about Chicago with their power play, but teams changing their schemes and, and different things, and that's why you have to kind of, you know, even with, with preseason, why you have to take preseason with a grain of salt, and it's why it's a little bit difficult to try to better or, or, or handicap. But it's what's so important about watching those games so you can see how that's progressing. And what you see early – may not always indicate that, you know, what changes are being made, obviously, with personnel being shifted around. So seeing a new formation with their full regular starting lineup is going to be key. I'm probably going to be staying out of this game altogether. Like I said, I'll be watching this and just more of a, of a you know, uh, observing and, and educational kind of uh, viewing with this game. But if I had to lean toward anything, it would be Edmonton first period puck line, like I said. The, the fact that they came to camp early, they, they're showing that lunch fail mentality to say, hey, you know, we're done fucking around here's the time for us to, to get out here and, and and go off guns blazing and to do that on the road i think for edmonton i talk about this with toronto about how the pressure they have on them in opening the season at home for edmonton to open up on the road i think that takes a little bit of that pressure off they'll still have to deal with that when they get home in their first game but for having the first game being on the road for a team that's looking to try to break this barrier, the ceiling that's been there for quite some time, I think that's a, a more of a positive. So Edmonton first period puck lines a lean. If I do like it and make it official, I'll post it. But uh, right now, I'm just leaning toward it that way. Otherwise, this is just a watch and wait game. All right. Lean uh, only for now, at least for uh, Alex, with the uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, first period puck line uh, here in this game. And again, that is around uh, – it's a pretty solid price there with the uh, – uh, first period puck line for props for me in this game. There's some good opportunities here. I, I think as far as a uh, player props go for this uh, uh, Edmonton Vancouver game, I mentioned Garland point prop uh, and a, and goal prop might be worth a look again, playing on the uh, top line uh, here for the uh, Vancouver Canucks, definitely on the Edmonton side, a few props that uh, piqued my interest. Connor McDavid over shots on goal first game of the season. He, of all uh, Edmonton Oilers, is the one that's really come to training camp with a very focused, intense approach. And I expect, you know, over three and a half shots on goal for him, only minus 125. Him to get a goal, minus 110. I think he will find the back of the net tonight. Price not great, obviously, but it's Connor McDavid. Uh, you have to expect that. I like Connor Brown to get a point, minus 130 uh, at DraftKings. And you could even sprinkle the goal prop, too, for Connor Brown, which is at plus 310 at FanDuel, but I like the point prop even more, minus 130, minus 140. Uh, it's cheap enough. I think he's going to get uh, that chemistry going again with McDavid from their junior days, uh, and I think he's going to be a nice fit there for Edmonton on that uh, top line. And, of course, Evan Bouchard, you know, who just – that power play, which was just – it's un, it's unstoppable at times. Uh, Evan Bouchard took over the number one power play quarterback a role after Tyson Berry got traded and that power play with him, you know, quarterbacking it from the point was just lethal, just absolutely scintillating. Now his point prop, it's not the even money or plus money. It was last year, minus 150, but I am on the point prop. And if you want to go a step further, the power play point prop for Bouchard is plus 110. So you do at least get a little bit of a better price uh, there with that. So 
Uh, definitely liking the uh, Bouchard props, no question uh, about that. Uh, but especially, like I said, the uh, point prop, power play point prop for a little bit uh, more uh, value at plus 110. Uh, yeah, there, there's some truth to that uh, from our guy Cuban Wayne Gretzky. JT Miller's had good results in the past against Edmonton. That might make him worth a look. And this is a guy that I think, you know, with Rick Tockett, uh, we've seen some instances of seeing him, you know, step up his game a little bit, a little inconsistent last year. But definitely, I think Rick Tockett was able to get a lot of good things from him last year. But Hyman overshots too, although it's juiced uh, a little bit. Uh, I'd, I'd look at that uh, still uh, for a prop in this game as well. All right, Colorado Avalanche, Los Angeles Kings. Uh, we've got the uh, Avalanche minus 125 road favorites, six the total. Again, this game is on uh, TNT as well. It's the second game of their Wednesday night doubleheader. When you look at Colorado, this is a team that finally tasted some disappointment, I guess, in the playoffs last year. They won the cup two years ago. Last year, they get bounced in the first round uh, by the Seattle Kraken. Uh, that probably leaves that them, you know, chomping at the bit and ready to that all of a sudden, you know, it sucks now not winning the Stanley Cup. It sucks not being able to party with the cup like you did two years ago uh, at the end of last season. Now I think Colorado's got that. Yeah, we want to win it again, uh, feeling back uh, inside the uh, dressing room here. So uh, that should benefit them. They look pretty solid in the preseason. And Jared Bednar played a lot of his guys a lot more in the preseason, like his close to opening night lineup. So will that benefit them? That remains to be seen. Colorado's definitely had their way with LA 8-2 and two, uh, in the last 10 head-to-head -head meetings between these two teams. And in fact, the Avalanche have won five straight here at State, uh, not Staples Center, uh, Crypto.com Arena, 5-0 and oh, uh, in their last five visits to LA against the uh, Kings. So I, I do like Colorado a little bit here. Um, I was hoping that they'd be even money or even a slight underdog, but the betting markets are not sleeping on this Avalanche team. They're slight road favorite. I have to favor them here because I like what they're doing up front, which is going to be, I think, a, a team that's going to be reckoned with in terms of goal scoring now uh, with uh, Lekkonen. Ryan Johansson's fit in nicely. He's looked solid in training camp. They have Big Val Nachushkin back. I love the additions of Thomas Tatar, Ross Colton, and Miles Wood, who looks like are going to play as a line on the third line together. Uh, starting tonight for the Avalanche, the three new additions up front. And I like all of them. Colton played great for Tampa. Uh, Miles Wood had a down season last year offensively in Jersey, but there's a, a possibility he can get it back for them. Uh, the fourth line with Olafson, Logan O'Connor. We'll have to see if Cogliano is uh, ready to go. He's a normal part of that fourth line. We'll see if he's uh, able to go. He was battling an injury down the stretch of uh, training camp. And then, like I said, the top line, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Jonathan Drouin. How about that? Starting the season on the uh, top line for Colorado. We know the blue line one through six. It's it's stellar. It's as good as it gets outside of Vegas in the NHL with Kale McCarr, Devon Tabes, Bo Byram, Josh Manson, Sam Gerrard, Jack Johnson. They're all healthy. They've got Alexander Georgiev in net, who, look, had a great year last year. Alexander Georgiev proved he was ready for the number one assignment here with Colorado. And just like Kemper before him, you don't have to be phenomenal. You just have to be solid, steady, and not give up the bad goals. And Georgiev was that uh, for Colorado most of uh, last year. L.A., I love them down the middle, as you know, as good as it gets as far as the center ice position goes, no doubt, after getting Pierre-Luc Dubois in the offseason. And now you've got a Kopitar, Dubois, Deneau, Blake Lazat down the middle, four centers. That's outstanding. Uh, offensively, I think they've got greater potential this year. You've got all of a sudden, you know, Trevor Moore, 
who showed you some offensive flair. Arvidsson down on the third line. You've got Kevin Fiala playing with Dubois on that second line. And, um, you know, here's someone to uh, consider here. Uh, they liked him in training camp. He played well. Alex uh, Laferriere. Uh, don't don't uh, confuse him with uh, Lafreniere and uh, the Rangers. This is Laferriere for the uh, LA Kings. He's actually going to make the team, and it looks like he could play on the uh, second line starting tonight for them. Like they really, really were impressed with his performance uh, in the uh, preseason. So we'll see how that goes for him. He's on the second line, by the way, and he's plus eight fifty at Caesars to score a goal. I'm just saying. I mean, a, just a buck or two on that. Why not? Considering they're going to spotlight him and put him on the second line tonight, it looks like with PLD and Fiala. And then you've got you know, the potential for a very good top line: Kopitar centering Adrian Kempe. Uh, and Quinton Byfield. Byfield's the big, I think that could take LA to the next level if Byfield right. has that big breakout yep. year and he's got every opportunity to do it. He's playing with Kopitar and Kempe to start the year on the top line. This has to be the year we see it from him. The blue line is pretty steady. Anderson, Doughty, Gavrikov, nice defensive-minded shutdown addition from Columbus at the deadline last year. Matt Roy, England, Tobias Bjornfoot. But the question comes back to their goaltending with Cam Talbot, who has had injury issues. He's been plagued by inconsistencies, some games where he's been lit up as well, which concerns me. And then you've got, of course, Phoenix Copley was great for them when he first got to L.A. last year, kind of struggled down the stretch and also wasn't nearly as good in the playoffs when he got in. So that is a question of Mark area, you know, just how good that tandem can be, Cam Talbot and Phoenix Copley, for a full season in net. So I like Colorado here, minus 125. I like this over, actually. Uh, over six, I'm buying into the series history between these two teams. Four straight meetings have gone over the total between the LA Kings and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, and uh, you look at last season uh, when these teams played, uh, the final scores uh, were 4-3, 5-2, 5-4. All three meetings last year in the 2022-2023 season went over the total. And, and um, you know, it tells you these two teams, LA has got way more offense than they've had. Uh, in years past. Uh, there's no question about that. And I think Colorado, even though PLD can be good defensively, I think he's better offensively. I think he goes into lapses. He's not one of the better defensive centers. He's a good offensive center. Obviously, Kopitar is great. Deneau great as a defensive center. I think Dubois, not so much. But I think Colorado will do what they often do. They had no problem scoring on LA last year. You know, they scored four and two of the games. Uh, between these two teams. And even LA scored three plus goals in all three meetings last year, head to head against the Avalanche. So, uh, and again, all three games last year went over the total. So over six at minus 120 uh, in this game, I am on that as well. And I'll mention some props after we hear from Alex. Alex, what do you think here? Abs Kings. Yeah, someone asked me in the chat, where is six available? I've seen MGM and Chris still have uh, uh, sixes available. So you can grab that. And this is one I would probably even wait, honestly. Even if at six, I'd wait and grab this live in game for that over. Like I said, I like that trend here as well. It's funny. I talk about, you know, going with your gut and feeling things, you know, early with, with you know, despite not having much uh, input or research beforehand or even just, you know, visible, visible film to go off of. Colorado, this opened minus $1.10. I even saw $1.05 at one point a couple of weeks ago, and I'm kicking myself because I should have grabbed that off of sheer value. That, that knew that number would go up. People like Colorado. People don't like what changes have made with LA for the most part. And, and I would agree with it, especially just goaltending alone. Phoenix Copley, you know, as great of a year as he had, it's like, can he even duplicate that again for even half the season? That's a, that's a real tough ask for an AHL journeyman. 
Cam Talbot, I think that's a massive downgrade. You'd have been better off trying to get Jonathan Quick back uh, in free agency, but he wanted, I guess, wanted to be a little bit closer. He's from Connecticut, so I'm thinking him going to New York was more of a, a hometown thing, possibly. But uh, I think that's a massive downgrade. You know, you had Corpusalo, you had all these different guys who who were, you know, I felt comfortable, more comfortable with a backup role. Cam Talbot's someone I'd probably be fading for starts. Uh, that's where I have him ranked as a backup. So I don't trust him much at all these days. And then, like you said, you add in the injury issues as well. Uh, that just makes things worse. So I think that could be the one thing that really, even if Byfield makes that jump, which I think he will, I think he's going to be great. I think that top line is going to be solid. The offense is going to be tremendous. Defense is going to be solid. But I think the goaltending, they're going to have to address that sooner than later. Copley, I don't think is going to be the answer long term. I don't think Talbot is going to be much of an answer at all, even to spell Copley in those uh, spots we needed. So that, I think that's the, the kind of part that worries me. So I think there's still a little bit of value at minus $1.25. I wouldn't recommend betting a 20, 20 cent move, uh, 25 cent move in the regular season often. But because of, you know, most people didn't even have a chance to grab necessarily a dollar ten two weeks ago if they weren't looking for it. So dollar twenty five, I'll endorse that as well as uh, looking for a live over. So I'm waiting for a five and a half at a plus price. Once again, that'll be something I'll have detailed once I do bet it live over at the Ice Guys Family Plan community. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we'll post the card uh, right before, not right before puck drop. It'll be at the very least 30 minutes, uh, probably more so an hour before puck drop. Uh, we'll post the uh, card there uh, today on the uh, uh, membership members only portion of the uh, community tab, just like we did yesterday. Uh, but yeah, Colorado and over for me. And there are some props that I like for this game. I'm going to sprinkle on now Byfield when he went to the top line last year and he just didn't produce much. Certainly not as much as I thought, and I kept trying to take a shot with his goal props and just to no avail. But I can't turn down plus 525 tonight for him to score a goal when he's going to be on the top line. That is just, and that's just an astronomical price for a guy that's going to be on the uh, top line uh, for the um, LA Kings tonight. Kempe to score a goal. I like, and remember, I'm on Kempe to score 40 goals this year at a plus price uh, as a season long prop for the uh, LA Kings. Uh, Kempe at uh, plus 180 tonight to score a goal. I think that's definitely something to uh, look at here uh, tonight in this game. And then Jonathan Drouin for the Colorado Avalanche. He is someone that I think is going to get new life here in Colorado. He reunites on the top line with Nathan McKinnon. They played together in Halifax with the Mooseheads in junior. And I think asking him to, and he's more of an assist guy, and at least in the preseason he was for Colorado, but definitely you could see him starting to get some confidence. He's starting to smile again. Remember, it's a guy that's battled some mental health struggles off the ice. I think Jonathan Drouin, plus 112 for him to get a point tonight in this game at FanDuel. Jonathan Drouin, plus 112 to get a point. It's actually a really good prop, in my opinion. That's probably one of my favorite point props of the entire card tonight uh, is Jonathan Drouin for Colorado to get a point here, plus 112 uh, at FanDuel. Uh, good numbers. And McKinnon seems to be, especially in these television games, and these spotlight games, he shoots the puck more. So I wouldn't talk anyone out of Nathan McKinnon over four and a half shots on goal or him to find the back of the net either, even though his goal prop is always around that even money price, around plus 120 uh, right now at FanDuel. So uh, definitely a good prop game there and a few things that I'm uh, definitely interested in there. Fiala over shots on goal uh, as well uh, for the, from the L.A. side. I think that might be a good look. He's with someone that, especially down the stretch last year, was shooting the puck uh, quite a bit. All right, we've got our final game now of this uh, Wednesday night slate. Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames, Calgary minus 135 home favorites, six the total in this game. 
Ryan Huska, you know, the new head coach and, you know, the, um, the old monster, Daryl Sutter's gone. Will that lead to more relaxed, you know, uh, more, more serenity uh, with the Calgary flames inside the dressing room? I think so. Um, I I'm looking for reasons to bet on them early in the season. And I'm going to try starting tonight here with them, you know, around minus 130, minus 135. I did grab some Calgary here as a home favorite, uh, minus 130, minus 135 uh, in this game. Um, I just think it's addition by subtraction. You know, I think there's gonna be a lot more harmony, you know, players make a mistake, you know, they're not going to be ripped apart for it. Uh, clearly there was some issues uh, last year with just the way the dressing room uh, environment disintegrated in the final year under Sutter to the point where Noah Hannafin and uh, Leas Lindholm and even Michael Backlund, who's been named the captain, you know, they all talked about wanting out after last season. That's how bad things got. That's how bad the team got splintered last year in a very disappointing season for the Calgary Flames outside the playoffs. So I think they're going to be uh, able to play with a lot more spirit I think there'll be a lot more positive vibe in the dressing room. Plus you're banking on good players who just had a tough year, like Nazem Kadri, like Elias Lindholm, like Jonathan Huberto, who are way better players than they had last year uh, in terms of their season results uh, to bounce back. And I think all three of those guys are capable. Those are the three that really, you know, definitely did not play up to the level we thought for Calgary last year with Kadri, Huberto and Lindholm. And I think they're going to bounce back. Uh, Igor Sharon Govich is someone to keep an eye on. Tons of skill is now going to get an opportunity here on the second line with the uh, Calgary uh, Flames. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And the other guy to keep an eye on will also be playing on that second line with Nazem Kadri is Matt Coronado. Uh, I really think Matt Coronado is going to be a huge offensive spark for this Calgary Flames team. Uh, and I would expect, and look, he in the preseason also backed it up with some of his numbers. He got into six games in the preseason for Calgary, and Matt Coronado had four goals, three assists, and seven points uh, in those six preseason games. I think he's uh, clearly deserving of making the team, and not only ready to make the team at 20 years old, but ready to make an impact as a right-wing uh, line mate with Kadri on that second line. Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman, the third line. Uh, A.J. Greer, Adam Ruzichka, Walker Dewar, I think is a solid, effective checking line for them uh, as well, and a good four-checking line. The blue line's pretty much very similar to last year. Hannafin, Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Nikita Zadorov, Mackenzie Wieger, Jordan Osterley, Chris Tanev. Um, again, a blue line that didn't play as well last year, but you could say that about mostly everybody on the team. And to me, you've got to hope that Jacob Markstrom plays a lot better in net. It was not his best year. He struggled. You know, I think maybe even he benefits from, you know, a new voice and a new face behind the bench for Calgary. I, he's getting older. He's in his 30s now. Injuries have mounted. But I think there's only one way to go for Jacob Markstrom uh, in between the pipes for Calgary, and that is up. And, of course, Dan Vladar is back once again as is a backup goalie. Winnipeg, I am stunned. If you would have told me, Alex, we're starting the season, Winnipeg, with both Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck still on the team and also re-signing <laughs> long-term for all right. these years, I mean, just, I would have said, I don't believe you. But here we are. Somehow, even though that sounded like they wanted out, both of them made it sound like they wouldn't play another team, another game, I should say, in a Winnipeg Jets jersey. And here they are, both of them, re-signed long-term, Shifley and Hellebuck. Um, and the Winnipeg Jets now with Shifley back in the fold, you know, they have a very capable top six as far as what they can do offensively. Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Gabe Velarde, who they got in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, 
with LA, uh, scheduled to be on that top line for Winnipeg. Gabe Velarde with Shifley and Connor. Perfetti and Niederreiter will be on the second line with Ehlers. I believe Ehlers was uh, questionable for this game, but he will play uh, through the uh, neck injury that he's been dealing with. Uh, Alex Iafalo, Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, the third line. Iafalo is another guy brought in in that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade from L.A. Morgan Barron, Rasmus Kampari, Vladislav Nemesnikov. You know, up front, I like Winnipeg. There are more questions on the blue line, though. Neil Pionk had a down year. Sandberg struggled. Dylan is more of a plodding, slower foot defenseman. Can they play better? Um, Dylan DeMello, you know, solid defenseman, but they ask him to play, I think, above his head on a top line role, uh, top pair role, I should say. And Josh Morrissey was the one guy that had a great season last year. They're going to have to hope he stays healthy, just like last year. Because that blue line does suffer when and Josh Morrissey, it's kind of like the Miro Haskin into the Winnipeg Jets. He counted, he's counted on and relied upon so much for this blue line that when he doesn't play Josh Morrissey, uh, it really, really hurts this Winnipeg team. And you got to hope Connor Hellebuck continues to play the kind of goaltending we expect from Connor Hellebuck. And that's give his team at least a chance to win uh, every single night. I still like Calgary here. I'm, I think this team's got better in them, much better in them. That was a, not just a little underachievement. That was a dramatic, dramatic underachievement from Calgary last year. I'm going to take them here to get their season off to a good start with a win in their home opener, minus 135. Now that the totals dropped to six, I'm going to grab a piece of the over, and it's for one reason only. I am concerned. Winnipeg wants to tighten things up. We saw it last year under bonus. They want to play a little tighter. But Calgary wants to get rid of the Sutter stench by we've got to be petrified to do anything creatively offensively under Sutter. Not anymore. Husk is saying, I want the blue line to jump into the play. I want the blue line to pinch. I want the blue line involved in the offense. So I think you're going to see more of an aggressive offensive approach, it sounds like, for the Calgary Flames this year. Trying to transition to being way more, you know, in terms of a dangerous offensive team. Now they got to finish their chances, which was an issue last year. But I think you got to reasonably expect Kadri, Huberto, Lindholm, some of the three guys that dramatically underachieved offensively last year to bounce back. Dubé, Amanji, Apani to play a little bit better. Matt Coronado and Igor Sharangovich, two extremely skilled players to help this team out and turn their offensive doldrums around uh, this year. So I think they will be an improved offensive team. So I'll grab a little over six and as well Calgary here. Money line around the minus 130 to minus 135 price. Uh, Alex, what do you think in here for this all-Canadian matchup, Winnipeg-Calgary? Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a bit of a, a tight battle, to be honest. And I, I like I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think we're going to see more offensive approach from Calgary moving forward. Like I said, you know, hearing that about the defenseman jumping a rush, that that's sure got to be welcome news to, to everyone in that locker room because uh, you know playing that archaic '90s style that that Sutter was just so incessant on playing. You get benched if you did that under Sutter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and it's just absurd. The, his his lack of flexibility. That's why he's you know on his farm watching this game and not on a bench, thankfully. And, and it's going to help Calgary in the long run. And for the Jets, like you said, I'm not shocked that Hellebuck and Shifley are here for this game. But with brand new contracts in tow, I am floored, especially Hellebuck. It just seemed like he wanted to get out of town and be somewhere where, you know, they're going to truly contend in the next few years. And I don't see Winnipeg being a top tier contender even right now in the next seven years. I mean, the the ability, the inability they've had to sign long term top tier players, you know, outside of guys who they grown in house, but to get, you know, 
would they ever be in the in the running, say, if a Connor McDavid was, was open on the market or a David Pasternak was open on the market? Absolutely not. We wouldn't think of Winnipeg. Winnipeg's one of those teams we kind of banish, uh, you know, like a Columbus, where they can't just bring in anybody. They have to grow all of their talent. Even if they have grown talent, can they build around it? Now that's the question they have to ask themselves moving forward. But as far as this, this game and this season goes, I still think the thing's going to be a tough for the Jets. They should be a playoff team now because at least they're going to have Hellebuck as healthy as whatever he can stay all year long. They already have that locked in where now they seem to be right in that Minnesota range. Had they been looking to sell, of course, they would have just completely bottomed out. Now the thing is, you know, they got to keep those guys healthy and you have to have the younger core underneath them play better. Uh, like I said, Shifley can't be your, your end all be all. You have to have Connor, you have to have, uh, you know, Hennessy with a, another, uh, you know, big year more Morrissey rather with a big, another big year. You have to have all of these key players step up another level. And I'm saying that not because they're going to be a, a, a top tier team in the central. They got to step up another level just to be at the middle of the pack. I think Calgary has a, a high, much higher ceiling. They're in a better spot right now. And if I had to bet a side, I would go with Calgary, but. I think this is going to be a tight goaltending game. Jacob Markstrom has been working with new coaches and uh, over in Sweden, trying to get uh, some of those kinks out, trying to work on being focused right away in the game because that was an issue. You know, we saw first shot of the game go past him, second shot of the game go past him. You know, two, you know, you can't put your team in the a ball behind the a ball like that. And so I think he's going to be working hard on making big saves early. We know Hellebuck when he's healthy and at the top of his game, he's one of the best in the world. So I like the draw here. I've seen it go up as high as plus. There we go. First time this year. Love it's it. the first one this year. So here we are. Jets, Flames, regulation draw, plus 400. I think this one goes past 60 minutes. Yep. There goes that guy. I'm waiting for that guy to show up saying you're betting too many draws here, uh, like uh, like last year. Yeah, all the draws. Yeah, all these draw bets. But this is Alex's first yeah. one. That's pretty good. We've got first one this year? Yeah, first one this year. We're nine yeah. games deep now into the season, and that was the first draw that Alex has taken. So that's pretty good. Yeah, we're we're keeping it minimal for now. Like I said, the draw, you know, draw season is is for those of you who aren't familiar with draw season, you'll hear a lot about it in the second half uh, after the All Star break. But but there'll be spots here and there. And like I said, I'll, I'll I'll probably actually talk a little bit more about this maybe on Patreon, maybe on YouTube, maybe on both. But I will talk a little bit more about my process toward the draw. Cause I know a lot of people are kind of confused about that. I did write a primer about that last season. So I might elaborate a little bit more because one of the things I, I am really specific about how long before I get into looking at these on a nightly basis, it takes about 10 games for every team. Uh, I want to see, I want to get about 10 games worth of, of, of just Intel watching games, reading notes, et cetera, before leaning into some of these uh, derivatives a little bit harder, even first period overs. I'm going to wait, probably about a week or two before I start really hammering these. So that's something I'm taking a little bit of a different approach with. I'm not, those are my bread and butter plays still, but I have kind of a system that I'm formulating around that and it takes time to kind of develop it. So there'll be more to, to that and I'll talk about it, you know, uh, in future shows down the road. Yeah, exactly. And we always, we talked about it a lot last year that especially post all-star break, the games get more important uh, points and accumulating points to get into the playoffs and win divisions become more important uh, and as a result, you get tighter games and more op- more chances and higher percentage, higher expectation rate for the games to go to overtime. Uh, and that's why that's the ultimate time of year to really try to bet some more draws is later in the season. So uh, definitely something to keep in mind. There are some props for this game as well. Uh, I talked about Matt Coronado. How can I not at plus 525 at Caesars take Matt Coronado to score a goal? 
uh, this tonight for the Calgary Flames. I really think he has that potential to be an offensive catalyst. And here's another case too, Dylan Dubé, who is going to start the season on the top line for Calgary, playing with uh, Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto. And Dylan Dubé is upwards of plus 440 to score a goal tonight. It's kind of like that Ryan Donato formula from last night. It's a guy that's playing on the top line and he's not priced like it from a goal prop standpoint. So Dubé for Calgary at plus 440. And Gabe Velarde, top line to start the year with Shifley and Connor. And Gabe Velarde is plus uh, 350 at Caesars to score a goal tonight. And you know how many times we cast with Gabe Velarde for the uh, LA Kings last year. And now we're going to see if we can cash with him to find the back of the net at plus 350 tonight uh, in his first um, uh, NHL or his first game with the Winnipeg Jets uh, tonight, his uh, brand new team. All right. Great stuff. Great show uh, as always. And um, we appreciate everyone before we get to the bargain bin special of the night and then best bets uh, to wrap up the show. We do want to mention, uh, cause I'm just seeing there's more people uh, since we've been on the air that have joined the channel as a member, our guy, look who's our one of our newest uh, Ice Guys family plan subscribers and members for just $9.99 US per month, the Cheshire Cat, who we've known for a very long time. We appreciate it. Occupancy, one of our favorites. He's been on the BetCast a bunch of times. He is a new member uh, of the uh, channel. And also Philly Eagle Flyer, big Philly sports fan. Uh, you got to be, uh, we're not splitting the atom, figuring that one out with that. Uh, with that avatar and that YouTube name, Philly Eagle Flyer. We appreciate you uh, joining us here on the Ice Guys Family Plan as a member of the channel. Uh, thank you to everyone uh, for joining. And again, we're going to have so much uh, great content for you throughout the season uh, as a, a YouTube channel member and subscriber on the Ice Guys Family Plan. All right, you know it and love it. When I had this concept in mind before the season started, that we're going to do a bargain bin special of the night segment where I'm going to isolate one goal score prop bet that I think is the best value bet on the board. I was excited for it, but I also didn't think it was going to get off to the kind of start it did last night with Ryan Donato, not only cashing that bet, but at plus 550, him finding the back of the net against the Pittsburgh Penguins. We have a tough chore ahead of us, tough task ahead of us for an encore, but we're going to try. And for tonight's bargain bin special of the night, we're going to go to the Montreal-Toronto game. It's a game we think we're going to see some goals in tonight. And I am going to go, believe it or not, I'm going to go on the Montreal side for tonight's uh, bargain bin uh, special of the night. He's someone with a tremendous track record against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's someone that is going to be playing on the top line for the Montreal Canadiens tonight with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. And another case where he's not exactly priced like it. He's going to be on the power play, on the top line. He's played very well historically against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's a kid from Burlington, Ontario, close to Toronto. He always gets uh, excited and amped up to play the Leafs. And if you look at the preseason, he got into three preseason games for the Montreal Canadiens, and he scored a goal in all three preseason games for the Montreal Canadiens. For tonight's bargain bin special of the night in the NHL, we're going to take Josh Anderson at plus 350 to score a goal tonight for the Montreal Canadiens. Again, this is a guy with a great track record against the Leafs, playing on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. He'll play on the power play. He scored a goal in every preseason game that he got into for the Montreal Canadiens this year. 
Let's take Josh Anderson for the Montreal Canadiens, plus 350, anytime goal scorer. And that is going to be my bargain bin special of the night for this Wednesday card. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and match up with you on this one here. Same price, different player, different game. I'm going with the kid, Connor Bedard, uh, going over half for a power play point at plus 350. Like I said, that's going to be the way to attack a lot of these top-tier players. You know everybody in the world is going to be betting Connor Bedard anytime goal pretty much all season long, no matter what he does. Uh, same thing with guys like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, et cetera, et cetera. But highlighting some of these uh, options like power play points or two points, three points, you know, a, a, you know, adding some of those, those options. Obviously, you're taking a little bit more risk, you know, two points. But when you're talking about top tier players, they have those big nights. Two, three points is nothing for a McDavid or a Tage Thompson. So that's the way to find value. So power play points would be something I'll definitely be looking for a bit more amongst the power of the, uh, the, the player prop realm, if you will. So Connor Bedard over power play points plus 350. All right, there we go. I love it. Alex getting into the act. He's got that buggy out. He's got that shopping cart out. He's going shopping. He's looking for those bargains as well uh, here on this uh, Wednesday night card, uh, looking at the bargain bin. So there you go. Bargain bin special of the night. And again, just to repeat, mine is Josh Anderson, Montreal Canadiens, plus 350, a price that is still out there right now at FanDuel, which is where I bet it because it's the best price I found uh, on Josh Anderson. So there you go. Anyone who Anyone who knows me knows I love the shop, so bargain and special is perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Jonathan Yim, thanks for becoming a new member. All right, let's wrap it up. We got best bets here to wrap up uh, this edition of the Ice Guys. Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you like for best bet? Man, you know, there's a lot of different things here, but I'm going to go with the Hawks game tonight. With the Bruins, first period over, like I said, 130 is the cheapest price that's available right now. If you find that, grab that now. Anything higher, just look for a better uh, adjusted price within the first two, three minutes uh, of, in, of in-game wagering. But uh, we're going to go over one and a half goals here. Arvid Soderblom's not that guy, and Peter Mrazek looked great. I don't know if Soderblom can, can copy-paste that kind of an effort especially against the Boston team that I think is going to come out hot and hungry. And Ian mentioned about Linus Allmark. You know, he's coming off of that injury. Remember, it was an injury that that made him look as human as he did in, in the playoffs no. compared to what he did in the regular season. So, you know, already coming off of a huge regular season and Vesna Trophy, uh, you know, season and then the injury, you wonder if he's going to be all there. Maybe he's susceptible to give up at least one goal early. So I like two or more in the first period. Let's go with that first period over in the Hawks and Bruins. All right, there it is. Uh, Chicago, Boston, over one and a half in the uh, first period, around minus 140, uh, the price with that. So that is your first period overlook. Blackhawks, Bruins for uh, Alex B. Smith with his best bet. My best bet, let's hope this um, game, as far as uh, over six and a half, plays out better than last night's over six and a half did. And we're going to go back to that Habs-Leafs game, and I'm going to go with Montreal-Toronto, over six and a half, minus 125. Uh, for my best bet for this Wednesday card. I think Toronto is going to be lethal offensively. I do worry that the blue line has taken a step back as far as being able to defend in their own zone. Samsonov and Wall are good goalies. Samsonov will be in tonight, but he didn't have a great preseason. He says he was just working through some things, looking to improve some things, working on his mechanics and his form. I'm not so sure about that. I think that's just goalie speak. You know, I think maybe he might have a little bit of a tricky time. And Jake Allen in net for Montreal didn't have a great year last year, was lit up in the preseason. Um, definitely, I think we're going to see goals both ways in this rivalry matchup tonight. Habs Leafs over six and a half 
uh, for my best bet here for this Wednesday card. And shout out to Jace uh, in the chat, new member as well. And I, one thing about the Calgary game too, Connor Hellebuck over saves, I think is a good bet. Because yeah. Calgary was shot the puck a ton last year, uh, as we know, and they just didn't finish their chances enough. But they were the kings of shooting uh, or score or shooting the puck 30 times a game, 40 times a game. And you can get Connor Hellebuck tonight as far as his saves prop. It's at over 29 and a half minus 105. I think that's worth a bet. I think that's a good uh, goalie save prop tonight. Connor Hellebuck for the Winnipeg Jets over 29 and a half. That Calgary team that they, first of all, they shot the puck a ton with Sutter. And now they've got a coach that's encouraging them to shoot the puck more and encouraging their defensemen to jump up into the play and into the offensive zone to keep plays alive. So all the more reason, I think, to like those props tonight with opposing goalies over their saves prop when they face the Calgary Flames. But the real key will be, can they shoot over here and over here and not right in here, the old Calgary Sterners? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick the corners, will you please? Go top shelf where mama hides the cookies, as the late, great Rick Jenneret used to say. Would you do that one time for us, please, Calgary? We'll see if they can figure that out tonight. Great show. Shout out to everyone in the chat. Hit the like button on the way out. Uh, for, uh, reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. And if you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Wednesday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we'll see you tomorrow with Jason Williams, former NHLer, joining us on the show tomorrow for the Thursday edition. Uh, so. See you then.